the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Recently, my parents visited and stayed at our house for a few days. They came to town because my mom has a tradition that every year she visits the homes of her children so that she can bake Christmas cookies with all of her grandkids. And there were two very opposite reactions to their coming for that visit in our household. And I think those two different reactions give us a good picture of what it's like to wait for the second coming of Jesus. So today I want to paint you a picture of what it's like to wait for something, to wait for someone to arrive, and how that shapes our whole outlook and our action in the meantime. So let me start by offering you the first picture of what it might look like to wait for Jesus' second coming, using my parents' visit as an example. We have a five-year-old Australian shepherd whose name is Bo. Well, really, his name is Beauford Griffin Berteau. He's named after the drummer from Dave Matthews' band, Crystal's favorite Minnesota Viking, which is really not surprising if you know us very much. But most of the time, it's Bo for short. And Bo really is a loving dog. He wants nothing more than for you to sit next to him for an hour straight and rub his stomach, and he will even lick your face the whole time to say thank you for that attention if you let him. But Bo is also an exceptionally great guard dog, too. I think that Bo has the sort of bark that would send home intruders running. It doesn't matter who you are, even Crystal and I, when we come up to the front door, Bo is just going to sound like he wants to take your head off until you've been inside the house for a couple of minutes and he smells you and gets to know you and then he becomes that loving dog that we all know. But it's his house. And it's his world, and you have woken Bo up from a nap when you come up to the door and ring the doorbell or knock on the door. So until he figures you out, you're going to hear about it from him, from that anxious, fearful dog. Every truck, every delivery person, the mailman, the neighbors who are just driving down the street, they don't even have to come up the driveway. Bo is going to let them hear about it with that big, deep Mark. So you can imagine what happened when my parents showed up at the door and we hadn't given Bo any notice that there were people coming to our house. Listen again to a few words from that First Thessalonians 5 reading. Paul writes, For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and prosperity, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. When we hear words like these about the second coming of Jesus, we're tempted, I think it's normal, to respond like Bo in that moment. After all, thieves are unknown people. Thieves come to break in, to steal what's not theirs. That Jesus is going to come like a thief 
In the night? Well, nothing good happens at night when people are sleeping. And with as much violent and unpredictable imagery as the Bible uses about that day, the day Jesus returns, our minds sometimes go to those movies that we've seen about the end of the world, right? Where everything is going to be destroyed and wiped out forever. When we think about Jesus' second coming in that way, then Jesus becomes the guy who's coming to destroy the whole world. When we think of Jesus' second coming in that way, we turn Jesus into a stranger on the other side of a closed door who has woken us up from a nap and who is here to ruin everything. So we bark at the top of our lungs, trying to figure it all out, to scare off the intruder, the unknown threat. When we respond that way, we try and figure it all out or interpret what's going on in the world as if it's proof that we're somehow closer to that day of the Lord, his second coming, even though we know even though Jesus himself has told us that he doesn't know when that day is, only the Father, yet we try nonetheless to figure it out. And in the process, we turn Jesus into an unknown thief, a home intruder who's here to steal and destroy. And in the process, we turn ourselves into victims, When we do that, when we think about Jesus' second coming in that way, when we respond like Bo to the unexpected, uncertain time when Jesus will return, we misunderstand not only who we are, but who Jesus is too, and what he is coming back to do. So is that really Who Jesus is? Is that who we are? Is that what he's coming back to do? That first picture? Of course not. You know that. So do I. So let's look at the other response that happened that day when my parents came and see what that has to teach us, maybe, about Jesus' second coming. To say that Micah was excited, our two-year-old, about his grandparents visiting is an understatement. After all, Grammy and Grampy were coming to visit, and he knew that. He knew that they were going to bake cookies. He knew that they were going to play. He could stay up late. He could show off. He could play all of his musical instruments. He could show them how much he knows. He had so much to look forward to. But you see, I made one crucial mistake, I acknowledge, as a new dad, still trying to figure it out. I made a mistake. Because you see, my parents are notorious for showing up early. Mom and Dad, if you're watching the live stream, you know it's true. Don't try and deny it. Somehow, when a trip across the turnpike, the PA turnpike from New Jersey, takes the average person, I don't know, five and a half, six hours, it feels like my parents can do it in three hours. Feels like that. 
They have showed up ahead of schedule so many times in the past that we ask them now to call us once they've made it through the tunnels, right, to give us an hour and a half warning or so before they're going to show up. And at the latest, if they don't call us when they've come through the tunnels, we say, you have to call us when you get off the turnpike in Gibsonia on Route 8 so that at least we have like a 40-minute warning. So the mistake I made was telling Micah, Grammy and Grampy are going to be here really soon. You see, I'd just gotten off the phone with my mom. We had that hour and a half heads up. And I turned to Micah and I said, Grammy and Grampy are going to be here really soon, buddy. And as a two-year-old, what do you think Micah did? He ran to the window and he started looking for him. For the next hour and a half, I lost count of the number of times that this pattern would repeat over and over again. He'd stand at the window sill that he's maybe only eight inches taller than, looking out the window. And then he'd run over to me with an expression on his face of equal parts, excitement, and total confusion. And he said the words, Grammy and Grampy coming soon? Where are they? Are they here yet? I said, no, they're not here yet. We have to wait a little bit more. And then he'd run back to the window, and we'd start all over again for an hour and a half. You see, Micah doesn't have a concept of time yet, as a two-year-old, but there are two very important things that Micah does know at this point. Micah knows who he is, And Micah knows who his grandparents are and what it's going to mean for him when they get to the house. He knows who he is and he knows who they are. So listen to how Paul continues then in 1 Thessalonians 5. Paul writes, But you are not in darkness, brothers and sisters, for you are children of light. Children of the day. We are not of the darkness or of the night, for God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another, And build one another up just as you are doing. These words from Paul, Micah's reaction to his grandparents' visit, they do have a lot to teach us about waiting for Jesus' return. What Paul is saying here really is very simple. He's saying, on the one hand, remember who you are and remember Who Jesus is. You're not of the darkness. You are children of the light. The day that Jesus returns is not going to be bad for you because Jesus is coming to deliver to you the salvation that God has destined you for. When we see Jesus' second coming in this way, Jesus becomes our beloved brother who has come to bring us only good things. 
whose coming we can and we should anticipate with joy and with excitement. We should say things, thinking about his second coming, like, are we there yet? Are we to that day yet? Is he here yet? With excitement and with joy. Because we know that he's not coming to destroy everything, but to restore all things to perfection. To bring light and life. Brothers and sisters in Jesus, his second coming will be a day of beauty and joy and fullness for you because you aren't victims caught by surprise. Yes, the timing is uncertain. We don't know what day Jesus is coming. But you're not victims caught by surprise. You are children of God, children of the light who will be visited by your beloved brother who's coming to put all things right again. He's going to take us to be with him forever. So as we wait for that great day to come, that day of joy and beauty, we have a whole new outlook in the meantime. We can face the trials and the uncertainties of life, the brokenness, the darkness of a world filled with sin, with confident faith. We can have peace right here and now. We have hopeful expectation. Because even though we don't know the exact day that Jesus is coming, it may be two hours from now, it may be two days from now, two years from now, two decades from now, we do know that when he does come again, whenever that day is, it will be the best visit that any of us have ever experienced. Because you are children of the light. In Jesus' name, amen.